0: Good for you, Patagonia. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. <laughs> I always forget that last one. Marriage. <laughs> no, I hate that movie.
1: Oh, I know. You just, you just, I lost, lost us so many subscribers.
0: I am convinced that. I, a princess story a princess bride
1: the The princess princess bride bride. the princess that's how much i don't
0: that's how much this movie doesn't register for me
1: oh my god right off the
0: oh man (laughs) really quickly i think it's one of those movies that if if you didn't see it in childhood it holds nothing for you and when you do see it as an adult you're like this is what everyone's quoting all the time it's a super annoying movie much like for me my the princess story the princess bride
1: oh my god
0: (laughs) is the never-ending story. That's where I was going with this. That's like my childhood movie. So, but I've heard people say they didn't watch it growing up and then they watched it as an adult and they were like, this is an awful movie. So anyway, that was a long intro about a movie I don't care about. Uh, Do you really like it?
1: Yes. (laughs) And the book is phenomenal. The book is incredible. Okay.
0: Well, anyway, I'm Morgan Baden (laughs) and I do not like The Princess Bride.
1: And I'm Barry Liga, and I can't believe she finally got the title right.
0: I almost didn't. You should. Did you see me hesitate? Yeah, oh, I saw. <laughs> anyway, welcome back, everyone. We we
1: did not marry each other for the pop culture. People. Clearly,
0: <laughs> um, we have. I have a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to jump right well, in. Stop
1: messing around with the Princess Bride. Well,
0: let, I just want to set the records right. It's not a good movie.
1: Uh, stop it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now there are negative people listening I to know. us. We, now we've gone below zero <laughs> listeners. Great. Just when we were starting to get new people too.
0: <laughs> Listen, you have a new book coming out. What this week or next week? When is it?
1: Uh, by the time this podcast hits the interwebs, it'll probably be two days ago.
0: Oh, great! So it, this August twenty third, yeah. the
1: Secret Sea. Excellent. Yes.
0: Um, I came across a couple of weeks ago a thread on Twitter where a bunch, of, one writer in particular, started it, and then a bunch of other writers jumped in to talk about. Um, The things in the writing industry that don't matter, that authors think do matter. Huh. So I want to go through them. Um, She has sort of four main ones, and I want to get your thoughts on these, because I thought this was a really interesting thread.
1: Okay. We'll Um, put a link to the thread mm -hmm. in the show notes.
0: The author's name is Dahlia Adler. Oh, okay. Uh I've seen her before. Okay. And this got, you know, a ton of pickup. So um, I'm glad. I don't think you've seen it yet. So I'm glad, because I want to get your sort of off-the-cuff thoughts. Okay, so she says, she begins by saying, I wish there was a way to expedite new authors through all the stupid things you eventually realize don't matter. Number one, your Goodreads rating.
1: Oh, we've talked about that before on the show.
0: She says, this matters a little if you're self-published because certain publicity channels require a minimum ranking, but if you're traditionally published, it does not matter. What do you think?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, technically, I mean, as far as I know, there is nothing that any publisher or bookseller uses to to key off of that particular metric Mm -hmm. so in that sense yes it does not matter however i would say that in the new sharing economy slash social networking world we live in slash whatever the hell else you know internet 2.0 and blah 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 buzzword, buzzword buzzword I think something like that could actually matter. I think if Goodreads becomes or continues to be a platform where people who like books go to find new books mm-hmm. that they would like to read, I think your Goodreads ranking does matter because if you're somebody who likes to read and you look and you go, oh, this person has a ranking of 2.5, maybe I'll skip this person. I, does that happen? I don't know. But, I'm, but I know that when I am looking to buy a product that is not a book, mm-hmm. <laughs> but for example, uh, some sort of electronic product or something like that, I will look it up online and I and don't just the look reviews. at reviews. It's not just looking at the reviews. I look at how many stars does it have? Yeah. Out of five.
0: You know what's funny though? I do as well when I'm reading books uh, or when I'm choosing books, I should say, but I literally never go to Goodreads. It is always oh, no, I, Amazon.
1: I, I, no, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, that. No, I'm I just saying
0: that. like as, as a voracious reader- Yeah. Um, who tried to use Goodreads like five years ago and right. then didn't like it. And the more I know about it, the less I like it. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons, one of them being this the very silly rankings that you see and the very silly reviews for books that aren't even out yet.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it's, a, it's an enormously ridiculous and flawed yeah. system. There's yeah. no question. What I, and, and, and right now it's a very uh, tight-knit, self-selecting group.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: What I'm saying is, I, I mean, you know, Amazon owns Goodreads. And I could see a situation in the future where Goodreads. you go look up a book on Amazon that's uh-huh. here's the Amazon rank and here's the Goodreads rank. Yeah. Here's the Goodreads rank for this author overall. Right. Um
0: It's I guess what I'm saying know. is I I don't know your rank on Goodreads. I have literally never looked up an author on Goodreads. So um so I'm with Dahlia on this one.
1: I mean, I here's the thing, it's not worth stressing about because there's nothing you can do about it. And I don't think we are at a place in the world yet where it is to be worried about, but the way things are going the way the the way of the world is things are moving more towards a crowd sharing crowd sourcing ethic mm-hmm. okay and if someday that is going to be the determining factor for how random people buy books
0: or how a publisher or how makes a an publisher offer. makes an mm-hmm. offer,
1: goodreads is in place yeah, to, to be the place you go it's going to be the yelp of authors right, to be yeah. the the i don't know what else the yeah. whatever
0: although it's interesting because especially over the past sort of year or two i feel like yelp's um trustworthiness has really taken a hit because more and more people have uncovered that you know if you pay you're able to remove negative reviews from your business profile and, sure. and whatnot so um I don't know. I wonder hey, what's going to happen all, with Goodreads. All of
1: all of these systems are enormously flawed. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, Goodreads in particular, began as just ways for enthusiasts right. to share their enthusiasm. Right. That is not a system that is designed from from first principles to uh, to have built in methods for removing and reducing fraud. Right. For example. Yeah. Because if you're all friends and you're all enthusiasts, why on earth would anybody He's lie? Mm-hmm. It's like Wikipedia. Yeah. You know, Wikipedia was set up with the assumption that everything would be perfect. Right. And it's not. Yeah. So yeah, these yeah. things are, yeah.
0: Okay. Let me dive back in. Yes. The second thing that she says doesn't matter, and I'm really curious about your thoughts on this. Okay. Is if your cover gets leaked early.
1: Oh yeah. No one.
0: And she says, I know that kills your buzz. I know, but it doesn't kill your sales. It's just whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean the the fact of the matter is most most books don't have a quote unquote cover reveal. Right. Like the cover just I, becomes I, available to yeah. you over email. I think you know for ninety percent of my books, the publisher said, "Here's your cover." Yeah. And I said, "Can I show this?" And they said, "Sure." Yeah. You know, nobody cares. It, it it's like having a uh, an on sale date. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like unless unless, unless you are a big deal, mm-hmm. unless it's Harry Potter or Twilight or something like that. The publishers are not going to enforce this book goes on sale at this point in time. I mean, when fanboy and goth girl was incipient, I had a countdown clock on my website counting down to uh, October, whatever it was, October 6th, October 9th, whatever the day was that the book was coming out. Thought, this is really cool. The countdown and, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like two weeks before so people, like, people started saying, oh, I yeah. bought the book at, at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Yeah. And it's. You know, I think
0: that's a, a big thing that a lot of readers don't realize yeah. is that most books don't have an on sale date. Yeah. They have a season or yeah. a month yeah. and I you mean, know, when the bookstore opens the box.
1: There is a, exactly. There is a date by which the book should be everywhere yeah. and that's your on sale date, yeah. but anything can happen. A friend of mine who worked in publishing for many, many years, you know, 20 years or more once said, you know, your books on sale date is determined by two things, how far from the warehouse by truck Box, is the, the bookstore uh-huh. and how many boxes are in the back room that the guy has to unpack. that Exactly. Day. Yeah. And that's what it comes down yeah. to. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Number three, your blog tour fell apart. Blog tours are the least successful sales tools ever. Now this is a, a, I agree with that to yeah. a certain extent. Okay. Um, I think certainly a blog tour can raise your, level of familiarity with other readers, of course. Right. Um, but again, maybe five years ago, this was a different answer. When I think blog tours were, were sort of fresh and exciting, um, they're not fresh and exciting anymore. Yeah. And a lot of the times blog tours are book bloggers talking to other book bloggers. Right. You know, rather than new readers.
1: I think, I think publishers like blog tours for two reasons. Well, no, I'm sorry. Three reasons. One they're free.
0: They're free except for product. Yeah. Yep.
1: which is free. Uh-huh. Cuz they've got books piled yes. up. In fact, that's a benefit. They get rid Yeah, they, they get, get rid, rid of, of some books. of that uh-huh. crap.
0: Number 2 would be um there's no heavy lifting on the part of the publisher.
1: But the author does most of the work.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. The publisher yeah. doesn't have to do anything.
1: Yeah. Uh and the third thing is that there is a chance. I mean, you just said it's book bloggers talking to other book bloggers. That's actually not the worst thing in the mm-hmm. world. Uh the the book blogging community is is tighten it and potentially can manufacture a hit Mm -hmm. so if you get you know five or six book bloggers spouting off about something and they all encourage other ones to talk about it maybe you get word of mouth going Maybe, maybe some of these gatekeepers are real loud and noisy and opinionated and you get something going um i think it's it's rolling the dice i think it's it's a gamble but it's a gamble with You know, with no money, like you don't have to put any money up and you you could pause. It's like going into a casino and being told you can play the video poker machine for an hour for nothing. Yeah. Like you're probably not going to win anything, but you might. And why not? It's free. Yeah. So. Okay.
0: And number four, she says, you don't have a blog yourself. No one cares. Blog posts do not sell books.
1: Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I mean, again, unless you are a certain, in a certain rarefied air of author bloggers who began back when it was new Mm -hmm. guys like John Scalzi guys like Neil Gaiman who started blogging when it was new and attracted huge audiences in the tens of thousands. But in that case, all that's really happening is there is already an audience of tens of thousands out there, hundreds of thousands who are going to buy the book anyway. In this case, it's just, you have a platform for telling them go buy it right right now.
0: And I do think there's an exception, which is, um, nonfiction. So yes. maybe a cooking blog or a mom blog or whatever.
1: Although there was a whole thing recently that I saw about, about sort of the bottom falling out of the mom blog economy. Really? Yeah. yeah. Something about that. I'll, I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes if yeah. I can.
0: Okay. Um, there's two more I want to run through here. She says, uh, number five, bad trade reviews. Some people have starred reviews. Some people don't. Most people don't. Do they matter? She says, no.
1: I you know, I I'm not sure. I mean obviously books can do very well without starred reviews. Mm-hmm. So in that sense No. In that sense no. But I think I think bad reviews I, I think that's never a good thing.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean yeah.
1: a, a mediocre review or a good review that isn't starred whatever, but I think a bad just a of just panning, you mm-hmm. know, and just yeah. saying this book is crap, that's never a good thing.
0: Yeah. And I also think um sort of indirectly a bunch of starred reviews can lead to sales because there are certain awards that are only available. Well, right. There are also, you
1: know, there's a, there's another market that this doesn't consider, which is the institutional market, schools and libraries. And, they the the thing about them, there's a couple of good things about those markets. Number one, they buy non-returnable. Like they right. buy a book and they keep it. Uh-huh. It's not like, you know, Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore where they buy it and they can send it back yeah. if it doesn't sell. Schools and libraries buy it and keep it. Um and they will often replace worn out copies, mm-hmm. whereas your local bookstore will not. Yeah. Uh so, so that's good. Uh the other the other and most of those institutions have to have a certain number of reviews, positive reviews, in order to be able to to justify to their financial people buying a book. So Hmm. in that case, that's a good thing. It does matter in that case. Um, Also, you know, again, there are so many things in this industry that only matter because somebody says they matter. And I think, you know, if you get – a friend of mine and I were talking about this the other day actually, and he said, you know, if you can get four starred reviews, your publisher will sit up and take notice and start to do things. Oh, interesting. One of the dirty little secrets about publishing is – Basically your publisher does all their work ahead of time. Yep. And the book comes out and it either hits or it doesn't. And if it doesn't hit, they are not going to say, "Oh, that's too bad. Let's see what we can do. Let's retool. Let, let, let's yeah. take another shot at this." No, uh-huh. they've already moved on mm-hmm. to the up next the next 500 books. Yeah. So you just you get to sink or swim on your own. Uh but if the book comes out and maybe the sales aren't all that great, but you have a lot of critical acclaim mm-hmm. and a lot of great reviews, they might say Let's take another look at this. Maybe we can goose this a little bit. Uh Maybe it's worth our time and our resources. And again, you know, I don't know what the threshold is for that, but a buddy of mine and I were talking and he insists that if you get four starred reviews out of the gate, your publisher will take another whack at it. Four
0: is the magic number. Four is the
1: magic number. I have no (laughs) idea if that's true or not. I have had books with four starred reviews before. um, And uh, I don't remember, honestly, if the publisher ever went back and did anything super heroic for them. Uh, But... Yeah, that's – so it's one of those things that could mean something. Yeah,
0: yeah. And the last one, and this is where I I think is – I disagree with. She says, other people are getting sent to so many conferences. Probably 98% of authors are sending themselves. The former is a weird myth. I don't think that's true. Hmm. I don't believe that most authors are sending themselves to conferences.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, when I go to conferences, I mean, this is what happens at conferences. You get paid. Well, no, it's not, not not even that. I'm not even talking about that. Um, But one of the things that happens at conferences is at the end of the day, you end up at a bar with all the other authors. Right. Okay. And that's when the real stuff happens. (laughs) That's when you really get things done and you sit there and you drink and that, you know, that's the kind of thing that that would come up yeah. because usually one of the things we talk about is, you know, you know, how did your publish, you know, what, what kind of hotel is your publisher putting you <laughs> up in or, or whatever, you know, stupid things yeah. that, that people talk about. It doesn't really matter. It's just something to talk about. And, you know, you talk about stuff like that. And very, very few times have I heard people say that they had sent themselves. Now, sometimes you'll go to a conference and somebody will say, Oh, like, I live an hour away. Right, so I drove right. down exactly. for the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's entirely different. Um, and then there are a couple of, of, uh, very well regarded young adult conferences that the publishers just for some reason, generally don't shell out the money to send mm-hmm. authors to. Um, they are sort of, uh, created by author conferences okay. by authors for authors. And publishers generally just aren't going to pony up for that. So authors do fly yeah. themselves. Sometimes you can work your way around it. You tell your publisher, oh, look, right. look, we've set up some school events in uh-huh. this town around yeah. this time. What a coincidence. And they'll take care of it. But I don't I, I don't know. I, and, and again, I mean, I don't know exactly what she's referring to. I mean, if she means like an SCBWI regional right. conference. Right,
0: yeah. Well, then yeah, probably, probably yeah.
1: most of the people are in the region and uh-huh. they drove in because why not, right? Yeah. Um,
0: but the big conferences. But the big conferences.
1: Yeah, yeah you know your your TLAs, your IRAs, Book Expo, ILAs, yeah. your uh, your LA Times. yeah LA Times, Miami Book Festival. Uh, you know Allen and and CTE Comic Con. Co- well, all the Comic Cons. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I think publishers are are shelling out the bucks yeah, for yeah. those. And honestly, I've done a lot of those. I mean, I've been doing this for ten years now. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of conferences and conventions and festivals. And I've got to be honest with you. I have no idea if any of it was worth it. Hmm. I just don't. Yeah. I always have a good time. Right. Well, almost always. <laughs> I usually have a good time. and The publisher always is sure to thank me for doing it. Yeah. I have no idea if it makes any difference. Yeah. I can't. I, I just don't know.
0: I mean, and that's what a lot of this comes down to anyways. With any type of marketing, books or not, you have absolutely no idea what makes a difference. Well, there's
1: the old saying, you know, 50% of my ad budget is wasted. I got to figure out which 50%. Yes. Yeah. There's just no way to know. I like that saying. I yeah. don't know that thing. Yeah.
0: Oh, Mad Men. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that was a really, I thought, um, enlightening thread from That's Dahlia. That's a good thread. Yeah. I mean,
1: and honestly, even if I quibble with some of it, it's just good to have this out there. Yes. Because there are so many myths about this industry uh-huh. yeah. um, and, and things that are just sort of taken as received wisdom that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So moving on, I came across this article in Fast Company. It's called, Patagonia's CEO Explains How to Make On-Site Child Care Pay for Itself. They have... Is
1: it like a prison thing where you make the kids work?
0: Basically, yes. <laughs> Children are the new executive assistants. There you Patagonia.
1: go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you call a number of The kids like, mommy's desk.
0: <laughs> that would be actually fantastic. And I think you would actually improve your business because I think customers would be more excited to talk to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mommy, anyway. this customer said a bad word.
0: Um, but in the past five years, Patagonia has seen 100% of its moms return to the workforce, which is obviously That's, incredible. Yeah.
1: By um, the way, do we have any sort of general statistic on overall how many moms return?
0: Yeah. A quick Google search said that it, it looks like about 31% of women uh, step away from the workforce for at least three years. Once so, they
1: have so so only 69%. So about two thirds come back. Yeah. And at Patagonia, it's all of them. It's all of them. Wow.
0: Obviously, I read this with interest. Right. Um, I do remember I used to work at Reuters in Times Square. Yeah. And fantastic company. You
1: were a beat reporter, right?
0: <laughs> Something like that. They
1: called you Scoop.
0: <laughs> if only. Um, but the building was brand new. Uh, When I started working there in in 2002, and I'm totally dating myself here, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the building had, I think, been built like a year and a half prior. So one thing that I always heard people saying in the building was, this is such an awesome building. Why didn't they put daycare in here? Uh, And I was like, oh, that never would have occurred to me. Obviously, over the years, that's something that occurs to me. And it's something, of course, I think a lot about now. Um, I talked a couple of weeks ago on an episode after our kid was really sick uh, for sort of two weeks there, how I understood suddenly why moms leave.
1: Right, like
0: it suddenly became crystal clear. Which obviously is a place of position, uh, a position of privilege for me to suddenly realize that two years later. But but it just became like I suddenly thought I shouldn't be working either. Like right. I, it's too hard now. Now the time for me to step back. So anyway, I'm not doing that, FYI, listeners. But um, but this is what I. I, I this is the. Mind frame I came into reading this article. So let me run you through a couple of numbers here, um, which is basically the CEO of Patagonia is talking about what it costs to put in a, an in-building daycare center and how much it saves them. Um, tax benefits alone are
1: 50%. You wow. recoup
0: 50% of your costs.
1: Just from taxes. Just
0: from taxes. Wow. Uh, so that's amazing. So you're
1: halfway there without doing anything. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the next two numbers are a little bit fuzzy, because um, it's employee retention, which is always sort of a fuzzy number anyway. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, that's not a hard number. Yeah.
0: But I mean, the truth is that for any company, the cost of employee turnover is really high. It costs yeah. a lot of money when someone leaves and you need to put the manpower behind finding a replacement and interviewing and training them and, and all that stuff. The missed business opportunities while that position is being filled. So right. so they say that 30% of the cost is recouped when, uh, in terms of employee retention. And then 11%. For employee engagement. That's a really fuzzy number um, because you can't mathematically measure employee engagement.
1: I mean, but there's a certain amount of that you can look at in terms of, you know, your kid is sick. How many days are you out? Because of that, or how many days, how many hours right. are you distracted at work? I mean, uh-huh. yeah, it's tough, It's tough, it's but tough. You, you, you can quantify it somehow. But
0: they also say- studies, So wait, that's
1: only 91%. It's 91%. Okay. So
0: they say, by the way, for that point, studies indicate that when parents have access to on-site childcare at work, they are more engaged, even more so than non-parent colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that increased engagement means the company does better financially, which right. totally makes sense. So the bottom line is that ninety-one percent of their costs were recouped.
1: Wow. Yes. So for for nine percent, you can yes. get all your And by the back. way,
0: this is just Patagonia. They yeah. said that JP Morgan Chase has estimated returns of one hundred and fifteen percent for its child care program. Wow. Um KPMG Says one hundred and twenty-five percent. So obviously, there's even more for yeah. other
1: businesses. So and and we should say yes, these are fuzzy numbers, obviously, but these companies do not really have a vested interest in making this up, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. seriously, like if you're if you're J P Morgan Chase, you know, there's no reason for you to pretend, yeah. that you have great child care and that it's helping you, right? You know, I mean, yeah. you could just get rid of it.
0: <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> so know, well, mean, working. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: there, there's no reason not to. Yeah. So yeah. yeah
0: but it is it is something I think about. um and I don't know of any of my friends who are parents. I don't believe any of them have on-site child care at their jobs, yeah. which is I, fascinating I can't
1: think of anybody that I know, and I mean, granted, most of the people I know. Don't have right, day yeah. jobs, mm-hmm. but I can't think of anybody I know yeah. that, that has a setup like that.
0: Anyway, if you have it, listener, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, actually. We like how actually, does it work? We yeah, I'd love
1: to hear about that because that that's sort of interesting to me. And also, it's like like I don't know. Like at some point, does that become an undue burden on one parent?
0: Right, because, because obviously, like if in our case, it would mean I'm taking her right. every day would be or whatever. every day to work. work. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, um but also, you know, if we both work jobs and only one of us had daycare right. on site, yeah, that means that person is a hundred percent of the time responsible. Yeah. It also
0: means that, you know, in terms of an emergency or the baby being sick or something like that, it all falls to the one parent who works right. there, which again is another burden there. Yeah. So, um, but I, it is uh, like, I just try to imagine how wonderful it must be to like have your little baby downstairs while you work oh, God, and like yeah. to be able to stop in and. That's so of cool. Course. Yeah. Yeah. So good for you, Patagonia. Okay. Uh, I want to confess something here, which is that- True confession. True confessions. confessions. Uh, I am not a list maker. And about a month and a half ago, I bit the bullet, so to speak. And <laughs> I, I started- Oh,
1: <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible pun.
0: I started bullet journaling. Uh-huh. And we'll put a link in show notes for those of you who don't know what this is. But um, I was like super into it for two or three weeks there. And then I kind of forgot about it. But now I'm back into it. Okay. So I want to know if anyone else does it. I found this article with the headline that I think encapsulates why I've returned to it, which is the bullet journal works because it soothes your panicky mind. Ah. And this is what has happened to me, which is... Everyone always has a gazillion things going on in their lives. And it's really, I found it really soothing to be able to write it all down in one book. And uh, like, then I don't, I don't worry about it anymore. Right. Now, on the flip side, I don't worry about it anymore. To the extent that I also seem to think that once I write it down in my journal, it's done, it's done even though I haven't yeah. done it. So that's something that I'm still working on. <laughs> um, but I'll, like I said, I'll put a link to this article in the show notes as well as the link to the um, sort of basic what is a bullet journal video.
1: I'm sorry. Who will put a link in the show notes?
0: My husband, our tech support.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's what I thought. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Anyway, um... I don't keep like work appointments in there, but I do keep some big work things, like maybe a big event or something like that, a huge deadline. But the rest of it is really personal stuff and lists of to-dos. Um, and I found that part really helpful because uh, as an example, <laughs> the other day I was waiting in the doctor's office for our, our one of our um, new baby ultrasounds yes. and my phone was about to die and I didn't have my extra charger with me, which I always have. And... Uh, I was waiting for you, so I didn't want to play on my phone, but I had some things that I needed to do, not for work, for personal life. So I, I had my bullet journal, so I took it out and I started writing down a menu for a baby shower that I'm throwing and the grocery list. And then it was funny because today I took a picture of that menu in my bullet journal, texted it to my sister, who's <laughs> co-hosting the shower with me, and was like, Here's, here are my thoughts on the menu. <laughs> and. I, I, you know, we're twins. We're very connected. And I feel like she probably opened up the text and was like, wait a minute. (laughs) So you took a notebook and wrote down and pen this menu and then took a picture and texted it to me. And now I have to text you back the edits to the menu, but I don't have the original piece of paper to edit it on. She was like, why didn't you just text me? You know? So anyway, um, I don't know how well it works in terms of sharing your thoughts with other people, (laughs) but I did want to ask you because I feel like you're a pretty organized person keep track of things i do wish I, you could I am see looking
1: see around the disaster that is my office this
0: office is a hot mess i'm like uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, organized being, you
1: know, yeah yeah right
0: no but, but maybe it's just the, the way things now, are organized in your head
1: i well yeah i mean that that's always been part of it. Is uh, is is that it's organized in my head but also like i have found lately i have found a comfort in making lists uh-huh. i mean i made lists of I took every room in the house when we bought the house and made a list of everything that had to be done in that room in terms of, you know, repair things to buy things to do, whatever. Um, and, and it, it, it's helpful. And I have, you know, I love the reminders app on my phone. Apple's reminders app is great because you can set up separate lists. So I've got a shopping list. I've got a Lowe's list for when I go to the hardware Mm -hmm. store, I've got a list of things to talk to my agent about the next time we're on the phone.
0: I mean, I, I want to say too, for the listeners, like, He's not kidding. Probably 10 times a day. I'll be like, oh, we need milk tomorrow. And he'll get, he'll look into his watch and be like, hey, Siri, add milk to my shopping list. And then it's there. Whereas I would be like, two hours later, I'd be like, what is it that I said we needed? You know what I mean? And then I'd find a random post-it note and write it down on there.
1: That's how the Apple watch has changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, you know, I, I never manually write lists, um, you type them. I
0: mean, I dictate them 90% of the
1: time. Yeah. But it's funny because my brother, I think my brother may have invented bullet journaling. Seriously, yeah. Because you you know this, but like my brother is the king of the little tiny notebook filled (laughs) with lists. Yeah. I call them Eric books because like for decades at this point. He just always has the little tiny, the cheapest, crappiest little spiral-bound notebooks he's like, He's like a beat
0: reporter. In yeah, house. he yeah. really is.
1: And they're just filled with his chicken scratch yeah. of just lists and lists and lists. And he keeps them all and they're just stacked <laughs> up and they're in drawers and they're piled everywhere. And it's... It's hilarious, but it works for him. That's how his brain works. And he's just got notebook upon notebook upon notebook. Um, I mean, like when he goes, somebody will be able to reconstruct his life just by taking these notebooks and putting them in order. It's actually a very (laughs) cool book idea.
0: No, but you know, I do a lot of, I used to do post-it lists at work for work tasks. Um, and I would have like four posted across my keyboard, um, with various things I needed to do each week. And there's always great satisfaction in checking things off and yeah. in crossing them out. Yeah. And obviously I think that's part of the satisfaction I get from the bullet journal yep. as well. Um, I will say that, you know, I, I stepped away from it for a couple of weeks and was like, I probably won't go back. And then I, I, I came back this week, like I said, and what was really cool is that there are sort of, um, there are infinite ways to set up your bullet journal. And I do encourage you, if you're interested, go search Instagram or Pinterest for bullet journal and you will see the most outrageous things, the most beautiful, creative things. Some people spend like literally hours per week decorating their bullet journals. Um, more power to them, but I don't have that kind of dedication <laughs> there. But, um, but I, you can also set it up where you've got uh, you know, day by day tasks, week by week, or just monthly, like this month, do this stuff. And when I came back to it this week, I looked at my um, month of July to do's uh-huh. and I had done every one. Look at that. And I was really excited to be able to cross them off. (laughs) Go you. Because I transferred some of them from the month of June to the month of July. The the sort of general um, philosophy behind the bullet journal is that uh, if you keep bringing, like if you've got a list of five to-dos for the month of July, and then August rolls around and you haven't done them, so you transfer them over to, to August, and then September rolls around and you haven't done them, and you keep transferring them, at some point you start to realize, because you keep looking at them, oh, that's not important. Right. So you can cross it off your list because it was, it's not something that you need to do anyway. Yeah. So, um, but all the stuff that I needed to do in July were things that we needed to do, such as go to the DMV and things like that, right. <laughs> plan a baby shower. So, but it was very nice being able to cross
1: them off. That's cool.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's do a quick writing update. Sure. What are you working on?
1: Uh, I am such an idiot. Uh, cause I, I had three books that I was working on. Uh-huh. I was trying to figure out which one I was going to do. Um, one sort of a contemporary adult literary novel. Another one was a fantasy novel and another one was a time travel novel. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to work on each of these for a couple of weeks and then figure out which one I'm going to focus on. And then another one popped into my head, <laughs> a thriller. So I'm, I'm and give- just now
0: another one and just now another <laughs> one.
1: about bullet journals. Um, but yeah, so Listen, now- you can
0: have a book called bang and then a book called bullet
1: bullet. Yeah. <laughs> Make a theme. Um, so, yeah, so now I've got four books that I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping uh, in the next couple weeks that that will resolve itself and I'll figure that out.
0: And you've sent me pages that I haven't read. And you sent them, like, what, two weeks ago?
1: Yeah, and it's not like you have a long commute every day that uh, you could read it on. I, know, I know,
0: which is currently taken up by Facebook. I know. Yeah, listen, I, I have know, no excuse. Yeah.
1: So. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I I'm, I'm looking forward to working on this thriller a little bit and we'll see where that goes. And then I'll sit down and decide which one I'm going to actually cool. crank on and cool. we'll see yeah how about you
0: well i mean i'm not
1: <laughs>
0: i'm not writing but i've been thinking a lot about writing <laughs> i know i'm so ridiculous no the truth is you know the other day i was really thinking hard and and like having a serious talk with myself um i think part of it is that because i'm short on time i don't want to sit down and like daydream or th- you know sort of tool around with something i want to sit down and write yeah so i was like oh morgan like then effing pick something to write like just pick it so now i i have chosen it good <laughs> i have um i'm working on the book that scares me
1: oh I, yeah I'm just, are gonna, you? I'm
0: just gonna play with it for uh, like you do for a couple of weeks not play with it like i want to I yeah. you know one of those one of those terrible nights when our kid was sick and I was lying on her bedroom floor waiting for her to go to sleep for two hours. Um, I arced out most of the book in my head. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, Anyway. So my goal this week is to actually just start it. I don't care if it's one night. Yeah. Like hold me to that, please. Like one night, you know? So absolutely. So that's where I am. The other part is, is to like, I'm trying, I'm trying to honor my, my pregnancy feelings, (laughs) which is like, I, I, I lose a lot of motivation during pregnancy and my instinct is to just curl up and relax and, um, and part, maybe this sounds like ridiculous, but, but I do try and honor that because maybe that's just what I need emotionally right yeah. now. But, um, but also then I feel I think, bad But I don't, I write. think
1: most of the rules are suspended when you're pregnant.
0: Yeah. But it's so long. I
1: know. I know. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's where we are. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. That's it for us this week. Find more online at writinginreallife.com. Check out our show notes while you're there. And find us on Twitter at wirl WIRLpodcast. And of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a rating, please. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone.
1: Bye.